0: So uh, we're going to go ahead and get rolling uh, in, uh, in this class for this afternoon, but before we do, we're going to pray, and then uh, we're going to have a conversation about race and bridging the racial gap and what that takes, what it looks like, what uh, racism looks like in the church, in our brotherhood, and uh, just kind of looking at what can we do about the situation that's going on in our country, in our world right now, and in our past. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get to talking. Uh, Father in Heaven, I just want to thank you for today for allowing us the opportunity to, to come down to the workshop god i've been a uh, privileged to come since I was a little kid, and uh, I remember sitting in lessons when I was so tiny God and just taking notes and listening to Marvin Phillips talk and how cool it was and to get to look around and uh, and to see um, young people in this class and and know that you can use this workshop to work in their lives is an incredible thing God uh, I pray that you help us to To look into your word, to be honest with ourselves about uh, things that sometimes can be difficult to be honest about. Uh, You can work on our hearts, change our hearts, soften them that you can help us leave here. More ready to deal with the racial divide in our country, God, and in our churches than when we came in, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you noticed on your uh, on the schedule, it's kind of funny because it says Carrie Cox and friends, which it wasn't intended to say that. It should have had a name there, but it just never got changed, I guess. So it's not like it sounded to me like kind of like a Sesame Street thing, you know, like that, 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 but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I only have one friend, and it's Marlon here. Uh, but we're kind of explain our tell you about our friendship for uh, for just a moment, and then we're going to kind of jump into things. So, whenever I was in middle school. Uh, I ran into this kid in, uh, in one of my classes, and we had no idea when we first met uh, where that that initial meeting was gonna take us. So we we would end up becoming very, very close, We'd become best friends. And we've had a lot of ups and downs in our relationships, I think that'd be fair to say, over the years. But the one thing is, is that we've always known that we loved each other deeply. And uh, we've had uh, some good things happen in our relationship, some horrible things happen in our relationship. But I think it's a relationship that both of, both of us would say, has uh, benefited our lives and uh, and made our lives better. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to you. They found some funny pictures of us on Facebook from back in the day. So uh, that's Marlon in the middle. there looking all clean and uh, and pretty. Uh, and me on the side, uh, that's high school days. And then uh, there's a picture of Marlon on the left. That's uh, our kind of our group of friends, uh, older and less godly than we would hope they would have been. Uh, James is over there laughing. He was in that picture. And that's uh, us again now. But like I said... Uh, Our relationship has been through some ups and downs, and uh, race was one of those things, though, that I don't think ever got in the way of our relationship, although we've seen a lot of issues and problems, and if you look at our country today, it's very clear that there's a problem with race, and it's probably worse than it's been in 50 years. You look at what's going on, there's a divide that has been created and ripped open and, and wounds that we're trying to heal that have been totally exposed again. And it's really sad to see what's going on. And we're from St. Louis, so if you've watched the news in the past couple of years, you understand, you know, we come from an area where this is a hot topic. And I think what we, we've got to be willing to do is we've got to be willing to admit and look and say, you know what, racism and race issues are a problem. And uh, that goes from anywhere. You know, you look at the police situation. You know, I'm, I'm someone who I consider myself to be very supportive of the police. But if we're all honest, we all have met those cops who who are who can act like jerks and who can act like bullies because of the position they're in and that's why they're in the position they're in because that's what they were looking for and i've met racist police officers i've i've been in that situation before where i've been with my friends and they've been singled out simply because of the way that they look and i know that's a problem and it's something all of us can look at and we should be able to ready, readily admit hey race is a problem and sometimes it's a problem with our police officers
1: And also, uh, it's a problem that you can have racist protesters. You know, the people that's, like, trying to stand up for the right cause uh, can actually be masking uh, some of the racism by trying to, you know, mask it as a cause uh, to where, you know, they might not have stood up any other time. But since it's, you know, against uh, authority, you know, of the opposite race, and they want to, you know, use that as a cover, you know, as a right cause to have. But, you know, it's just a mask.
0: Yeah, no matter which side you're on. There's racism. But what we really want to look at is and understand is, guys, when it comes to Christianity and Christians and in our own churches and our own brotherhood, we have race issues. We have, we have problems. And in, 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 as the people of Christ, you would think that would be something we had been totally done away with. But when you look at Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings are still some of the most segregated times in our entire country. You look at churches, you know, I can go to St. Louis and I can tell you, I can tell you where the black churches are and I can tell you where the white churches are. And that's not to say that it's completely segregated, but I think we all understand that that takes place probably in just like in our city, it does in yours to where there's, there is a divide. And even in churches that, that may be a little more diverse, oftentimes you look at the relationships that take place. And there's a divide even within churches whenever it comes to the black members and the white members. And it's an extremely sad thing to see, but it's it's just a reality. It, racism is an issue that we have to deal with in, in our churches, in our within our hearts, and it's something that we have to go and we have to work towards. In Galatians 3, 26-28, you see uh, Paul writing to the church, and he says, "...you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus." For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. He's obviously addressing an issue, right? Preachers, they don't get up and they don't write... in. preach sermons and write letters about things that aren't issues and what he's telling him here is he's saying hey you need to realize that you've been made one in christ you've got to stop looking at this like there's there's jew and there's greek and there's slave and there's free and there's all these different there's different groups we've got to stop looking at that and you know if he were here in our day and age and what's going on now he says listen there isn't black there isn't white you're all one in christ and they were dealing with this with very similar issues to this in the first century church. You look in Acts. Look at why they appointed the men to, to wait tables. The reason they did that was because one group of women, a group of widows, they weren't being taken care of as well as another group of women because of who they were, because of their background, their ethnicity. And this has been a problem for a long, long time, and we, we need to address it. You know, again, in Colossians 3, you see Paul. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in us all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and, and in Psalms 133, he says, look, man, look how awesome, How look how blessed it is when brothers live in unity. And so what we want to do is we want to look and say, how can we, how can we, Look at the kingdom of God and how can we make it more unified? How can we deal with the, races, the issues of race that come up? Because it really is a problem. And one of the things that we have to do to kind of set that up and to look at is, is we have to look at the reasons why
1: racism and Christianity don't mix at all. Uh, the first reason would be uh, racism emphasizes outward appearance while Christianity emphasizes inward appearance. Uh, Galatians 2.6, it says God does not judge by external appearance. And uh, I mean, a good example of this, as Carrie mentioned before, you know, I'm sure several of you probably ha- can attest to this going into a, a department store, whether it's, you know, for us, I guess it was Ventures back in the day. And, uh, yeah. and you know, <laughs> we are old. Yeah, yeah, we are <laughs> old, you know, but uh, going into Ventures and uh, you walk in, all of a sudden, every aisle that you're in, you start no- noticing a familiar face. And, you know, you see the person pick up an item, kind of look over at you and set it down. And you go to the next aisle and they pick up pick up another item, set it down. You're like, wait a minute, that's not, you know, anybody shopping. That's They're keeping an eye on me like I'm still something, you know, uh, which, you know, is racial profiling at its best. But, uh, I mean, just going through stuff like that, you know, it's something that, you know, I dealt with a lot. I remember going into to venture with Marlon one time and. Uh, I noticed the same
0: thing Marlon had. And whenever I went into venture on my own, I never had any issues. But when I was with Marlon, we got followed around the store constantly. And, uh, you know, it was a frustrating situation for me because I knew Marlon's character. And I understand, we all understand, look, there's a reason why they have to have theft protection at stores, right? Because people steal. But the thing that was frustrating about it for me was I know Marlon. I know who he is. I know he's not taking anything. we would go in. I remember one time. I remember one time going in, and I told my mom, I said, you don't come in with us, and you watch if we don't get followed around the whole store when I'm with Marlon. So we walk around the store. Guy follows us, and this time, he wasn't even – it was blatant. He was just following us around. Like, he wasn't trying to pretend like he he was doing anything. He was just following us around the store. And I remember my mom, because she felt the same way, knowing Marlon's heart, knowing his character, not judging him from his outside appearance, but looking at him. We knew who he was and they didn't understand that. And I remember my mom being like, going to the manager, and being like, this is ridiculous. When my son comes in here, he doesn't get followed around the store, he doesn't get these things, you know. And, and here's God, and he's saying, listen, what, what Christians have to do is they have to learn to look at what's going on in the inside of people. We've got to stop judging what's going on in the appearance. And you, you look at things that, like First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord told Samuel when he's going to look for David, don't look at his appearance because I have rejected him. God does not see as humans see. Humans look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. We've got to look into the heart of the matter and what's really going on with inside, pe- inside of people. And to be quite honest, in our churches, this isn't always about race. The, you know, I've, I've literally had churches tell me and complain to me that they've had leadership who have said they don't want the wrong element coming into their church. And they could be talking about black people, white people. They could be talking about you know someone who comes in and they look shady. They look like they're drug addicted. They look whatever they are. And they're coming in and people are looking at them and they're going, ah, I don't know if this is the right church for you. Now down the street, that is a church for you. In fact, I had a lady from a church in St. Louis tell us one time that they had some people come to the church who were, who were drug addicted and had a lot of problems. And she told me they were just a really messed up couple. So I told them really the church for them was your church. And when she said that to me, I was like, I was like, man, it's really cool to be the church that can help people. It's not so cool to hear another church say this isn't the place for somebody because of what their appearance and and the way they're looking is. This isn't the place where they need to be. It's heartbreaking. Because when you look at what God has to say, he says, listen, we've got to stop judging each other by what we're seeing on the surface and really get to the heart of what's going on. Whenever I was, uh, and just like Marlon says, you know, and I've seen him experience that. I've I've been with Marlon when we've had an issue with a police officer before, and it was because Marlon was black. It was just a, a bad situation, and it and it drove me crazy. But you know, the flip side of that is I've dealt with that same thing. I took a race and ethnic relations class at SIUE. And when I was taking classes there, I went in, and there was, a, there was a mixed girl who was in my class, and we started talking, and she was asking me to go places and do things with her and, and you know, trying to develop a relationship. And there was this kid who was a member of a black fraternity at SIUE. His name was Dwayne. He, he, uh, and he used to make fun of me all the time. And in his view of white people, he hadn't grown up around, around them much, and so he used to call me Opie. He would call me Opie all the time. He'd, be, oh, look at Opie over there hitting on, and he would constantly be making fun of me for being white. And he, he didn't know me at all. He didn't, know where I grew, he didn't know where I grew up. He had no idea that if he would have looked at a picture of me and my friends, all of my friends growing up, most the majority of them were black. No, he had no clue. But he looked at me, and he saw this white kid, this skinny little white kid, and he made fun of me constantly in class. But as that class went on, it was neat because I did have the opportunity to get to know Dwayne better. And we actually became friends and we got to have a good time. And that ended, but initially on both sides, we have all had those people who look at us and they've judged us based on what they're seeing on our outside appearance rather than looking at what God is really trying to do. Um, So the first reason, like Marlon said, racism emphasizes outward appearance while Christianity emphasizes inward character. The two don't mix. Racism and Christianity cannot mix. The second thing is racism requires people to reject God's law, while Christianity requires people to fulfill it. Uh, You know, Luke 6, 31 says, treat others as you want them to treat you. Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the godless do that. And over and over again, we look at passages that deal with love, and what we see is we see people who are... You know, the Bible commands us to be people who love regardless of circumstance, regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of background, any of these things. The Bible says, listen, you are you made to love each other. You are made to love the lost world around you. And if we're going to be racist and we're going to choose to, to, to have that kind of bitterness and hate in our heart, we have to reject Christianity, I honestly believe you cannot have a right relationship with God and be someone who hates someone simply because of their skin color. Now, I've had people get really angry with me for saying that, and you can't judge my heart. Well, Jesus says pretty clearly if we don't love each other, that our relationship with him is not right. And it doesn't give any boundaries to that. It doesn't say, oh, if, if they're your color and you don't love them the right way, then you and I can't be on the right page. No, it says that we've got to we've got to love one another in order to be in right relationship with him so much so that he says, listen, if you have a problem with a brother or sister, stop praying to me. Get up and leave and go deal with that issue and make that relationship right. And in our churches, we have to start making the relationship right among the among the races if we're ever going to be able to have a real impact on the world around us
1: back to when uh carrie is talking about how we became friends uh you know i started hanging out with carrie back in middle school and just hanging out with him going over his house and uh you know being really uh accepted by his family you know being loved on by rita and robert and uh ashley and just you know becoming part of the family you know would go out and they might only have 30 bucks to spend on food instead of just you know Trying to get the four of them something, they you know they worked me into it like, well, we're just going to get a couple large pizzas so everybody can have something instead of, you know, we're going to eat and you just gonna have to look at us, you know. Uh Not only that, like you know, my first real vacation was with the Coxes. Five of us piled in a Geo Metro headed to Florida, <laughs> you know, with boogie boards and luggage and feet, you know, with the driver's supposed to be at, and you know, just becoming, like, like I said, part of the family, you know, not knowing that it was because of God that, you know, they shared that experience and and shared that love with me, and uh, just finding out, like, some of Robert's background, like, his family history, and, you know, that they come from, you know, like, being racist, pretty much, you know, and how Robert could have been that way, and he, you know, I just asked him before this lesson, I said, Robert, so if you wasn't, you know, a man of God and trying to live godly, would you, you know, be racist? He said, more than likely, yes, you know, from his upbringing, and, it's good safe to say if he was that carry would be from seeing his dad being that way, you know, just learning it through that. So,
0: and you know, that's one of the things I, I admired about growing up is, uh, you know, we've always had an active college ministry at our, at our church. And the good thing about that is, is that college ministries tend to be more diverse. And so growing up, I got to see my parents interact with people. I got to watch my mom and dad choose to love people. But yet when I would go to my grandparents' house you know, sometimes I would hear my grandma say things that if my friends would have heard my grandma say, it it would have broke loose. It would have been bad, you know, because my grandma would say things. Uh, I, I don't even want to, I don't know if I want to say they were unknowingly racist. If she didn't know they were racist things she was saying, she was just totally oblivious. But she would say things, and it would just make my blood boil. And to know that, to, to look that my grandma has this perspective on things, and she sees things this way, but then I go home. And I see my parents welcoming anybody and everybody into our house regardless of who they are, what they look like, what their color is. And to see them wrap their arms around each other and watch my dad's relationship with our friend Darnell and how close they were and how deeply my dad loved him. I I grew to an understanding that the reason for that relationship being the way it was was the love of God. And, and, and whenever you're in a relationship with God and you love God and you know he loves you and you look around you and you see black people, you see white people, you see Hispanic people, you see all these different groups of people, there, there is nothing you can do other than love them if you are trying to be like Christ. That is the only option we have. So racism and Christianity, they can't settle in together because it's impossible to be racist and love someone the way that God has called us to love them. In James 2, verse 8, it says, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as, uh, as yourself. You are doing well, but, you show, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And, you know, I remember times where a whole, a whole atmosphere would change. We would walk into, youth, into a youth rally with our youth ministry from Alton. And Alton is a very diverse town. Like Alton, you know, it's probably like, I don't know, probably 60, 40 splits, 70, I don't know, somewhere in there. And, and you, you know, one street, you'll go to Alton, it's wide next street, you know, it's very diverse. So our youth ministry, because, because of that, was very diverse. And I remember walking in to youth rallies with a, with a big group of kids and a majority of them are black. And the whole atmosphere just went, woo. and I remember watching that and thinking, what is going on? And and I'd never understood it until later when I got older and kids from those youth ministries and we would have conversations about it. And they're like, we just didn't know what to do or how to react because we'd never been around that many black people before. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, how do you react? You love them just like you do everyone else. To me, it was it was dumbfounding to think that that was the case. But they didn't see it that way. But whenever we are fulfilling the law that God has given us, we cannot be racist.
1: Uh, point number three, racism's foundation is human tradition while Christianity's foundation is the word of God. And, uh, I mean, you can see several, uh, pictures on Facebook and just social media, you know, of like different biracial kids, whether it's white or black or Mexican and white, just holding hands, just playing along with each other. And that's because it's, you know, it's not born, you're not born a racist. You're taught to be racist, you know? So
0: yeah, you know, I th- like what Marlon's talking about, like I think, you know, if you put, they've done studies where they'll put kids in the room of, of, of different races, and you, and you watch the way they interact, and they don't see things the way that we do because they haven't been taught to see it that way. You know, in South Pacific, there's a whole song in the musical South Pacific that was written that says, listen, you've got to be taught how to hate. You've got to be taught to discriminate. You have to be taught these things because you are not born to be racist. You're not born to dislike the people around you. And it really is true. Like I watch my kids run around with people with other kids of different race and they have no idea. And they'll say things and they in no way mean them as racist. But if somebody heard them saying, they'd be like, you shouldn't say that. But we are in so, and it's really sad because we are in such a messed up, hypercritical thing that like me and Marlon can say something to each other and be joking about it. And my six year old son's like, Dad, that's racist. And I'm like, what's racist? He's like, you call Marlon black. I'm like, well, look at him. He's black. What do you mean? Like, you know, like for us, like it's no you know, big thing. And we joke about things that, that can't be joked about anymore and and juan and i Juan sitting out there if people heard some of the things juan and i say to each other teasing each other they'd be like oh my goodness because it's become because it's such an issue now and it's really sad to see that take place and we've got to understand that listen racism is a form it's part of human tradition not of god's and and we've got to rely on the word of god to teach us what to do in a relationship how to react to one another how to treat one another we cannot base how we should treat another person on our history and our tradition of what we've been taught because too often it's it's not good the tradition that we've learned is not good and we've got to get away from that um and the, the fourth thing is is that racism stresses pride in one's past while christianity stresses humility because of one's past you know, a lot of a lot of this when it comes to racism, a lot of the problem really is pride in thinking that we're so much better than someone else. And racism, that's what it does, it elevates one color, one race above other people and says, "Listen, we're better for XYZ. This is the reasons we're better than what you are." And and so we take pride in who we are, we take pride in our past, but when you look at Christianity, what it says is you should be humble. Because of your past. In Titus 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, They must not speak evil of anyone, and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once, we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and became slaves to wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated others and they hated us. And over and over and over again in the word of God, we see this same principle. It's saying, listen, stop looking at everyone else and looking down on what they're doing and remember where you've come from. And we get so prideful and so haughty sometimes that we look around and we're like, well, uh, yeah, those people over there should be doing this or that. Just like I told you, you know, churches, they don't want the wrong element invading their church. And it's so, it's so sad because we sometimes can become so self-righteous that we forget our own sin. We forget our own junk and all the cruddy decisions we've made in the past and the separation that we had from God. We think we're better and so we don't want this wrong element invading our congregation and we don't realize that we were once the wrong element. God looked at us and he said, hey, your sin is separating us. You're the wrong element. But because of God's love and because of his grace and his mercy, we are able to enter into relationship with him. And he says, listen, that's what you should be doing for one another. But whenever we see someone come in of a different race, a different ethnicity, we look at him and we're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to be the right place for them. And God's going, man, you, you are focused too much on how good you think you are. Philippians 2 says, when you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide, but be humble and give more honors to others than yourselves. And he's saying, listen, it's time to, it's time to stop thinking you're so great, and it's ta- time to start putting yourself below is what he's saying. You know, that's what he says. We've got to start lowering ourselves so that we don't view ourselves as better than someone else. And it's got to change, and there's a few reasons why it needs to change. The first reason that we've got to change these things is because we need each other we need one another i look at i look at the man that i become i look at my parents and i was very fortunate to grow up in the household i did i had a dad and mom who loved me to death but they loved god more than they loved me they loved god more than they loved each other and they set a great example for me of what a godly relationship can look like what a godly family can look like but you know what i'm not the man i am now just because of my parents I've learned things from being in relationship with, with people like Marlon, with Juan, with different people in, the, in my, my church who are very different than me, that have shaped who I am, that have made me a better man of God. And we need one another, and I think we forget that.
1: Uh, we're about to watch uh, a video uh, by Craig just talking about how he grew up a little bit and his background, his history, and what he was taught and you know how he changed his, his view. It's cool
0: because you get to see Lecrae basically say, hey, I didn't know that I needed these people in my life, but I do. And if you don't know who Lecrae is, he's a, a, a Christian hip-hop artist. Uh, he uh, But his perspective on, on race in here is really good. We're going to watch it about three-minute clip or so, four-minute clip. So. so a little bit about me. I, um, I grew up in a militant
1: household. Um, it's about like 12 black people out here. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, as Lecrae was saying, you know, uh, once he was baptized, you know, he was comfy and familiar with his group of people, and he didn't know he needed anyone else because he was doing just fine until, you know, this persistent guy, you know, came into his life and uh, pretty much opened his eyes to a whole new world of how he did need someone else, you know, because he was able to get from Joe something he wasn't getting from his normal you know, section, or group of friends, rather. But uh, Joe was able to do with Lecrae, like, you know, what someone else wouldn't be able to do, which pretty much pushed him further, you know, with his walk with God and to, to you know, open his uh, eyes up to, uh, you know, just his possibilities of his life, you know, with God in it.
0: And, and I think, you know, the fact is we do. We need each other. There are things that I got from being around and growing up around black culture that I wouldn't have. There are things that now I talk to people in my ministry and like, Carrie, you're this or that, and you're crazy, and you do these things, and I and you say things, and, and I look back on my life, and I think about, man, what would have been like if it would have been different, if I would have went to another school, if I wouldn't have grown up with the friends that I grew up with, and they wouldn't have had the impact on me that they had, and I wouldn't have had the freedom to to say some of the things and see some of the things that I saw. You know, Growing up with the friends that I grew up with, I saw some pretty rough things, and not And Marlon isn't going to mind me telling you guys this stuff. Marlon didn't grow up in in a great environment, all right? He grew up in a pretty rough environment. As a matter of fact, his dad was an addict. His dad would steal his paper route money. His dad would sell their their family vehicles in order to buy drugs. His dad and mom, it was rough. And, you know, I grew up in this environment where I saw this taking place, and it gave me a softer heart. For people who are hurting and I grew up and I saw these different situations and what was taking place in these neighborhoods and it softened me to say man, I want to have a heart for people in general And and it helped shape who I am. We need one another. You you know, God puts people in your life for a reason. Acts 17, 26, and 27 tells us that, right? It says, look, God intersects people for a reason so that they can perhaps reach out and find him. That's what it tells us. And God wants you to be in a relationship with people. And sometimes we are rejecting relationships that can be very beneficial to us and could change our lives based on something of an outward appearance of of a race issue. And it's wrong. And we've got to change it because we need each other. But also, we've got to change it because the world needs our example. it's Everything is so screwed up. It's so messed up. Like, I see these things going on in Ferguson. You know, Ferguson is basically about 25 minutes from where we, we do ministry at. But in my campus ministry, a bunch of the kids are from Ferguson. I mean, some of you guys in here are probably from Ferguson, right? Stand up if you're from Ferguson real quick for me. All these kids are a part of our campus ministry are from Ferguson. You guys can sit down. Thank you. You know They're from Ferguson, Missouri. And you guys, everybody across the country has seen what's going on in Ferguson. It was a nightmare. It was insane, the things that were taking place. And the world needs us to be an example of something different. And I remember, you know, Aaron's not in here, but Aaron came to me, Aaron Mitchell. And he's another guy from Ferguson. He's like, man, hey, we're going to go down. We're going to go down to Ferguson and we're going to go find our friends we're going to high school with who are out here doing robbing and looting and acting a fool and throwing stuff at the cops. And, and he's like, and we're going to go down there and we're going to be like, hey, this isn't the way to deal with these things. This isn't the way to do it. And, and we can tell them about God. And we can tell them these things. And then I remember us taking pictures as a campus minister. You guys remember this that night when we talked about that? And it was so cool to look and see this picture, and it was so diverse. And we got to, you know, we were putting them on social media and we're like, man, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have, there doesn't have to be the hate. There's, we, we have hope to offer the world on both sides of the issue. We should be showing them something different. And whenever they look at churches on Sunday morning and you have black churches, and you have white churches and you have them who don't communicate and are not in relationship with each other. And there's no diversity in churches. And they look at that. They don't see anything different. Everything is separate, just like it is in their world every day. And it's really screwed up that the church has not become a beacon of hope and an example for what it should look like. For what relationships with brothers and sisters who are of a different race, race and ethnicity than are the way that they can interact, that's messed up. And, and I want to challenge you. I, you know, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but if you live in a culturally diverse area and your church is all white, something's wrong. If you live in a culturally diverse area and your church is all black, that's screwed up and something needs to change. Because the world looks at that and they go, what is going on? What is going on here? But if they could look at our churches and they could see this melting pot that the the United States was supposed to be and they could see that taking place in our churches where there's white brothers and black brothers and sisters and Hispanic and all these different people coming in and loving each other deeply, they would step back and go, if they can make it work there, why can't we make it work here? When all this is going on, my, my sister's best friend, her name's Mashaya. So I won't make you guess, you know, what, what color Mashaya is, but Mashaya, you know, calls Ashley and she's like, I don't get it. Why is it like this? And Ashley's like, what do you mean, Mashaya? She goes, why is the world so crazy? And why is there so much racism and hate and all this stupid stuff? Because it can be different. And she said, you know why I, I know it could be different? Because I watched your family and I watched your church for years and I know it doesn't have to be this way. I know that the world doesn't have to be this way and people don't have to treat each other this way because I've seen it with my own eyes and she was talking about God's kingdom. And that should be, that should be the norm. It shouldn't be a rarity that people look at our churches and say, that's the way it should be. It should be something that happens on a daily basis where they're going, man, look at that. It could be so much different and better. That's why Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Too often, the the people of the world have not been able to look at our churches and say, those people have deep love. There's something different about them. And they haven't been able to look at the way we interact with one another and say, I want some of what they've got. They haven't seen us break down the barriers that needed to be broken down and love each other in such a deep way to where they've said, I've never seen black people and white people and Hispanics and all these people interacting the way that they do in your church. How does this happen? But that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're seeing. And it's really sad. So, you know, we look at this and we're like, obviously... If, if we are honest, we can, we can grasp that racism and Christianity don't mix. They can't go hand in hand and they can't belong together. So there are some things that we've got to do. So how do I do that? What are some ways that I can bridge this gap? What are some ways that we can deal with this, this, this problem? And, and the first thing is, is that I think we have to be willing to go places we may not normally go. You know, like I said, if you live in a culturally diverse area and your church isn't diverse, we need to fix that. And one of the ways that we have to go about doing that is you have to make a conscious decision that says, you know what, I wouldn't normally go to this place, but I'm going to go there anyway. I remember one time we used to do this thing every summer called GATE in, in, in Illinois. It was the Greater Alton Teen event. And what it was is it was like a church camp, only it was an evangelistic church camp. So what we would do is we would get up in the mornings. And we would have training sessions. And we would sit there and we would learn how to study the Bible with people. And we would sit down and, and talk about, okay, this is what the things that they need to learn that and they need to understand about God. And then we would go eat lunch and then we would go out and invite for hours. We would just go anywhere we could find other teenagers. And we would invite, blitz invite, anybody who wanted to come. And we'd say, come on, you need to come to this. You need to come to that, you know? And we'd invite them to an event that night. Well, we had these kids uh, who used to come from some really small towns in, in, uh, in the Missouri area, not too far from Raleigh, actually, and they would come and uh, they would come, and they had never been in a situation like Alton, in a diverse area like Alton. And I remember one time pulling up into the projects and, and I'm, I'm starting to get out of the car and I get out of the car. And I'm like, let's go. And I'm, you know, and by this time I'm out of high school, I'm like, one, you know, I'm a campus minister and I'm like, let's go. And I get out of the car and I start walking off and I look back and the, they're all still sitting in the car. And I'm like, what is going on? So I go over and I'm like, Hey, get out of the car. Well, while I'm getting them out of the car, these two guys come up to me and they're like, Hey, you need to leave right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you need to leave. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. We're gonna invite. And and they were like, you know, looking at me like I was crazy. And so I'm looking around and I'm telling I'm still telling these kids, get out of the car, and they're like, Oh, you know, they're freaking out in the backseat because they're in a place they wouldn't normally go. They wouldn't normally go to the projects. And here we are, we're inviting and we're inviting for a basketball tournament. I'm like, this is you know, this is gonna be awesome. So I'm looking around and finally, actually, James Jane wave, James, come on. James's brother, Nick was sitting up at this thing and he was probably doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He was selling drugs and we were sitting there and James is sitting up there and I look up and these guys are harassing me. So I look up and Nick and I'm like this, like Nick. And he's like, Oh, Oh. So he comes down and he's like, Hey, leave, leave this dude alone. Leave him alone. He's good. He's good. Let him invite. So like, finally I drag these kids out of the car and they go and invite and we end up having people come from that project to the event tonight, you know, but it, it, it's because people have to make a decision to go somewhere they may not normally go i ran into a kid that we used to play football with i used to go pick him up all the time on sunday afternoons and he would come play football with us and and i hadn't seen him in years and we ran into him about a year ago and uh I, and I as talking to him and, he, and we saw each other and then we made plans to go have lunch we had lunch he goes hey carrie i told my mom that i ran into you and i was like oh yeah she goes do you mean that crazy white boy who used to come into the projects all the time she's like yeah you know and people aren't used to seeing that but if we're going to bridge the racial gap we've got to make some decisions to go places you wouldn't normally go get out of your comfort zone you know what's you know you look at our churches and our brotherhood in in christendom in general and this isn't just about race guys you realize that we're we're graying we're growing old and we're dying and the reason for that is we've gotten way too comfortable where we are Not just with race, with anything. We're so comfortable that we refuse to get up and go out and do what needs to be done. And if the church is going to grow and if we're going to bridge racial gaps, it's time to get our rears out of our seats and go somewhere where we're not comfortable going and reaching people we may not be comfortable talking to. Jesus did it all the time. You think he wanted to be a Jewish man? Do you think anybody thought this Jewish man should be sitting there talking to this this skanky Samaritan woman he's talking to at the well? No! But he did it because it was right. He didn't look at her and say, look at this dirty woman that everybody else looked at it like a dog. He looked at her and he had heart, a heart for her. So he went somewhere that was uncomfortable, that wasn't easy because he loved people. That's how we bridge a racial, a racial gap.
1: Uh, you have to engage people you might not normally engage. Uh, just as Carrie was talking, you know, going out and inviting in the projects, you know, just stuff that you're not comfortable with, you know, if you love God and you want to do what God tells you to do, you know, you must engage those type of people. Uh, I mean, just, just you know, as an example, you know, if people's out in the world and they're hurting and they're looking for a change, you know, and they come to a church and you might have, you know, five or six black people, but they're sitting off in the corner and they're not intermingling, you know, you're not setting yourself apart from the world, you know, so they're just going to leave and go find it somewhere else, you know. Uh, So you have to be that example for them.
0: Yeah, go places you wouldn't go. Interact with people you wouldn't normally interact with and take interest in things you might not normally be interested in. You know, that's one of the things Marlon pointed out about the video.
1: Yeah, like the video, uh, you know, Joe, you know, taking interest in Lecrae, you know. As Lecrae had mentioned, you know, he thought it was a travesty that Joe had never seen Boys in the Hood. (laughs) And uh, it, it could have stopped right there, and Joe just, you know, never paid it no mind, but he took interest in Lecrae, sat down, took the time, and watched the, the movie with him, and it actually scored points with Lecrae. You know, as Lecrae said, from that point on out, he was all right with me, you know, and I'm sure, you know, he allowed him to spend even more and more time with him to pour his heart and, you know, gospel into him, and I believe that's what molded Lecrae to uh, what he is now. And, you know, you think about, like, the
0: fact that you look at what Jesus did. Jesus was very good at looking at the people he was talking to, seeing where they came from, what their background was, and knowing how to speak to them, right? He would look and he'd be like, oh, I'm dealing with some fishermen. I'm dealing with tax collectors. I'm dealing with these type of people. This is where they come from. This is and he would tell stories. He would tell parables that they could relate to. He found ways to connect with people on their level. And if we're going to bridge the racial gap, we've got to start taking some interest in things that we may not normally be interested in. Things that you, you wouldn't normally go up. Mar and I were joking last night because uh, we grew up listening to totally different types of music, totally different types of music. But right now, I'm telling you, if I if I if I put on Air Supply, "Making Love Out of Nothing at All," he knows the lyrics. You know why? Because he was around people who listened to that. That's what my parents listened to. Old 70s love Air Supply, Bread, James Taylor, Jim Croce. That's why we can go to those concerts together. But you know what? Grow up the way I did, listen to that stuff. When people open my CD case and they're like, this is weird, dude. You've got John Denver next to Tupac in your CD case. Yeah, I do. Because I had to find a way to connect with with my brothers. I had to find a way to connect with people who I may not normally be able to connect with. And you know, some of those things that you look at like you you hear boys in the hood, obviously there are things in boys in the hood. None of us here would agree with, you know, but it paints a pretty true picture of what's going on. It helps us whenever we take that interest in something we may not normally be interested in. It helps us to learn to relate. I remember watching new Jack city for the first time. And after I watched new Jack city, I was heartbroken because I didn't, I didn't realize some of the things, the reality of how screwed up things were sometimes in the world. And in other people's lives. And I remember watching that movie. And, and when I watched that movie, it brought a whole new understanding for me. Of like what Marlon went through with his dad. And it helped me to learn to connect in a different way. When I went to James's house in the projects behind Big Lots. And I saw James was sleep, sleeping on a blanket. And I saw these things in movies. And I'm, when I mean a blanket, I mean not there wasn't a, a mattress there. True story, right James? And... It was, And when I went to my friend Cameron's house and you would sit on his bed and you could see his floor through his, through his closet. It was heartbreaking. But it woke me up to a reality of what was going on around me. And it made me desire and long to help things be different than what they were. And, you know, I looked at, my, I looked at our friends and, you know, we, have some, we were talking through all the stories that we could talk about today. And we could, so we could tell you so many hilarious stories about things that have happened, but ultimately it comes down to realizing that we've got to love each other enough to push ourselves beyond what we're, nor, we're used to. We, have to. we have to be willing to go places we wouldn't normally go. We have to engage people we might not normally engage, take interest in things we wouldn't normally be interested in, but ultimately what we've got to do is we've got to choose to love. And I really want to challenge you again, if you're in a diverse community and you don't have diversity in your church, do something about it. Because the church is where change can start. The government, the government is not going to fix this. As a matter of fact, the government is not going to fix anything. All right, That's, we all, I think we all know that. They're not fixing nothing. It's, it's a mess. But I'm tired of the government trying to do the church's job anyway. The church should be doing these things. If, 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 if these gaps are going to be bridged, it'll be because disciples look and take seriously the call that they've been given to love each other. To love the world around us regardless and to be impartial and to to look and say, you know what, I don't see a black person, a Hispanic person, a white person. I don't see a broken person. I don't see a crackhead. I don't see this person or that person. What I see is someone who needs a relationship with God, and I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to bridge that gap. I'm um, have Marlon pray Or if you have something else You want to say Then you can pray And then uh, we'll wrap it up We're Yeah I was gonna just going to
1: say If you guys have never Watched Woodlawn It's an excellent movie And you should watch it Because it does An excellent job At bridging the racial gaps By you know Loving God And doing what God Wants you to uh, Just bow with me uh, Father I want to thank you For today God uh, Thank you for the lesson uh, I got to work on With Carrie God And uh, just being able To uh, give this lesson today God is a amazement I uh, give Him my circumstance God just uh, help everybody God that that wants to commit their life to you, God, to uh, actually love and do as you command, God. To to see people for their inside and not by the color of their skin, God. And uh, let's uh, let's bridge this gaps, God, that we have uh, in our communities and uh, show the world something different, God. Have them flocking to you, Lord, uh, just by the church's example. It's in your Son Jesus' name. I pray. Amen.
0: One one quick thing before we go. Um, if you want to hear a really cool story about how God does amazing things, you should talk to Marlon about his story and about what's going on in his life right now. And also uh, pray for him because there's some uh, rough, stuff, rough stuff going on with Marlon. And uh, he's about to face some pretty t- tough times. And uh, it's a heartbreaking thing because it's from decisions when he walked away from his relationship with God. But for four years, uh, he's repented. And uh, God is using him in some incredible ways, and he will. But if you want to hear something cool, some really cool stories about a guy with a good heart, you should ask him about his story because it's incredible. But be praying for him. Love you guys.